Hi, guys. I have had a question from someone who's joined my private Movers Q&A club. And that's the place where I guarantee to answer anyone's questions about their move. Um, Let's turn that light on. Um, And it's on the buymeacoffee.com page. So movers who want to get personal answers from me can send them there. And I had one from someone who I thought, that's a great question. And I asked for permission to do a video on her question. She said, yes, but I have to keep it anonymous. Here is the question. By the way, I've got background building noises happening. So let me know if it's too loud. Here's the question. I totally get why making your first and final maximum comfortable offer makes sense. And it's easy to work out what that comfortable number is on a personal level. However, what I'm finding difficult is working out what number would be considered overpaying or not. For example, there's a house we are viewing next weekend that is listed at 250000 that looks really nice, ticks most of our boxes, and we may well make an offer on it. Based on what else is available in the market, I expect there'll be a fair bit of interest in it, so it may well be a case of competing buyers. In terms of purely what we are able to afford, our maximum budget is 280000 but that would obviously risk us overpaying for this one. So my question is, how do you work out what's comfortable in terms of what would be overpaying and therefore risking negative equity or not? I realize there likely isn't a straightforward answer to this, but any advice would be much appreciated. I've tried looking at previous sale prices on the road. Right. So that's enough. Okay. So for context, we are first time buyers with a 15% deposit. So an 85% loan to value mortgage. We've been told we can borrow up to 330,000, but there's no way we could actually afford that. So we'll most likely borrow between 210 and 240. Looking to buy a house in, uh, it's a city in the North. Right. So I gave this some thought and thought, what can I say in a video that will help anyone asking themselves a question about how to work out what's overpaying and what's not. And these are the seven questions you need to ask yourself. And I'm pretty sure that by the time you've answered these seven questions for yourself, you will know what your own personal maximum comfortable number is. Because you have to remember that for the same property, different people will be comfortable paying different levels depending on all of the following circumstances. So let's get into this, and I'll I'll whistle through this as quick as I can. Number one, what is the loan-to-value of your mortgage? And obviously, that goes from 100% to 0%. There are 100% mortgage products on the market. And that's maximum possible risk, unless you can, unless they start lending more than 100% again, but I don't think anyone's doing that. That is maximum possible risk from a loan-to-value point of view. And if you have a 0% mortgage, or in other words, you are a cash buyer, that is the lowest risk or from a loan-to-value point of view a point of view. I know that sounds obvious, but you've got to consider that. That is a major factor and arguably one of the first factors. At the end of these, by the way, I'm going to give you two examples of people I've spoken to recently in different scenarios uh, to to give a, a working example. Number two, what is your job security like? In other words, your ability to keep paying your mortgage 
are you in a very secure job which is going to be unaffected by an economic downturn, especially in your local area where you work? Um, or are you in a job where actually you could be quite exposed if there is an economic downturn in the area where you live? So that's point number two. And only you can answer that. And, and I, I implore you when you're asking yourself that question to try to be as realistic as you can and say, what would happen? What? Let's not make the mistake of overestimating job security, because typically that is what people do. Number three, how long is the fixed payment period on your mortgage if indeed you did do a fixed rather than a variable rate? Is it two years or is it five years? Because, of course, that means that there may be a risk of those payments going up at the end of two years or five years or 10 years or, or whatever you do. And so you've got to ask yourself, what is likely to be this, your situation at the end of that fix? Number four, and this is actually one of the biggest ones, what are your future plans if you buy this place? Are your future plans to stay there indefinitely? And are you very confident that you'll be staying there indefinitely? In which case, the risk of overpaying is lower? Or is it possible, probable, likely that you're going to need to move? Or is it, is it even in your plan that you're going to need to move in two years or four years or five years or six years? Because the sooner you need to move, the greater the risk of overpaying in a falling market. So that's number four. Number five, what is your financial security like? And by that, I mean, uh, uh, it's not the same as job security. Do you have family backup? Do you have other savings? Do you have financial resilience in the event you do lose your job? Because again, everyone's situation is different. Some people may lose a job and have absolutely no family or support to fall back on whatsoever. Other people might lose their job, but actually have pretty firm financial support to fall back on from their family or your own saving or your own your own investments that are going to be maturing or ISAs that are going to be coming to fruition or maybe an inheritance that might be coming your way. So what is your financial security separately from your job security look like? Because again, for two different people where everything else is the same, if one person's got pretty good financial security to fall back on, but somebody else hasn't, that again will affect what overpaying looks like. Number six, what in your opinion is going to happen to the market for properties like the one you want to buy in the period in the future when you may or may not want to move? You might be living in an area that is seeing strong uh, and sustained buyer interest and is going to outperform other areas of the market. And therefore, you may form a personal opinion that the risks of house prices falling where you are buying are very low. Alternatively, you might be buying an area where you actually think the house prices are going to fall and you've taken that into account in your decision because you need a place to live, you don't want to be paying rent, you want to own a place even though house prices are falling because you're not planning to move for a while. So you must form your own opinion on the market for that, not, not, the, not the whole market, but the market for that kind of property. For example, is it a flat or is it a house? And how might those two markets fare differently in the coming two, five, ten years? Um, is it a leasehold or is it a freehold? How might the market fare differently in the coming two, five, ten years? Um, are you at the higher end of the market or the lower end of the market for those kinds of properties? Because they will fare 
differently. And again, what's the local economy like? Because you might have a very strong employer. You might have a big company opening up a new office or factory or something that's going to create a lot of employment. Or you might have a company that's, that's likely to actually be closing. Uh, you might have a large employer that might be closing down near you. These are all things that will affect your decision on what overpaying looks like where you are looking to buy. You know, for example, if you're in a town where there was a big Wilco store employing lots of people and that closed down, that will have an impact on the market there. If you live where there's a, a John Lewis store that might be closing down in the coming years, and it's a very big employer, could that affect the market? If you live in a place where they're going to be building a new nuclear power station, um, which is going to create lots of employment, that will affect the market for the houses where you live. And only you can form your own opinion on what's going to happen. So how strong is the employment uh, near, nearby you? And, and for, how is it going to affect the kind of people that might want to buy the kind of property you're considering buying? So that's your that's question number six. And it's your opinion on the market where you're buying. And number seven which actually might be question number one, is if you bought this house for the price you are comfortable paying for it, could you turn around and sell it for the same price immediately? Because if the answer is no, and you think, oh, actually, we, you know, it's been on a long time, we're the only people offering that much, the chances are you probably couldn't sell it the next day, especially if the economy's got worse and mortgage rates have gone up from now. Um, but you might also go, well, we probably couldn't sell it the next day, but we've got strong financial security. We're not planning to move for a long time, so we don't mind. If that's the price we have to pay to get it, we are accepting that risk of overpaying. And therefore, for you personally, it's not overpaying as much as it would be for someone that might need to sell it straight away and would be in, in a, a difficult situation if they couldn't. Now, I've got one more sort of golden rule to consider before I can wrap this up. And if any of you have got questions on this, specifically questions on this, please, and you're watching this live, put it in the live chat and I'll answer them. Um, where we are right now in early 2024, many areas of the country, many of the markets, but not all, are seeing house prices fall. Um and the risk and, and the reason it's so important not to overpay is that if things do go negatively, if things go worse than expected, if the worst case scenario plays out and either you need to sell um, or need to move, you don't want to be stuck in negative equity where your home is now worth less than the outstanding mortgage on it which means that you can't sell it without finding extra money to pay off the balance and you will have lost whatever deposit that you had. Okay, that's why in this very uncertain and as I believe it is falling market, um, the risks of overpaying are much higher now that, and they have been for the last couple of years. I mean, people who bought at the top of the market in 2022 and 2023 are people who, who expose themselves to the greatest risk. Now, if they did that knowingly, that's okay. If they went, we know the market's going to fall, but we're planning to stay for a long time uh, and we just want to secure this home, then that's what I've always said is you know, if you can buy now, buy now, just don't overpay. But the one question I want to finish up with is this, which, which can wrap all of these up into one simple, single question, which is this. What is the worst case scenario if, thing, if everything goes against you after you've bought the place you're looking at buying, 
for the price you're considering paying for it. What is that worst case scenario? And is that worst case scenario one that you are willing to risk or willing, willing to accept? And again, that question will get a different answer depending on personality types. People who are happy to embrace risk and go high risk, high reward. Well, look, there's a big risk. We could just lose this house. But the reward of actually being able to buy and move into a house is so good um, that we're willing to risk it. Because if we'd rather buy it and then lose it than never have the opportunity to own at all. Okay. So if you're someone who's got that high risk tolerance and goes, yeah, we could lose our deposit and lose our home and be out in our ear. Um, if the worst case scenario happens, maybe even with a debt to the bank. Um, but we choose to accept that risk. And if it happens, we will roll with it. But a lot of people will go, that's a risk that's absolutely outside my comfort zone, acceptable risk parameters. And so again, that question will alter the answer as what is overpaying, because a very large part of it comes down to your personal risk tolerance, risk profile, risk acceptance, okay? And there are people who go, this is roll the dice, buy the house, and just do the best and hope for the best. And if it doesn't go our way, it doesn't go away, we accept that. But don't do that. The, the, the nightmare you've got to avoid is people who don't consider the worst case scenario, who can't risk it, and it, they couldn't possibly um, accept that worst case scenario if it happened, but they take the risk anyway, and then it goes against them, and life becomes unbearable for those people. And that's why I'm always cautioning to buy now if you can afford it, but don't overpay. I hope that's been really helpful. Do we have any questions specifically on overpaying? Um, otherwise, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, you, th there are some questions here, guys, and they're good questions, but I just want to make this video relevant to this 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 particular topic. Yeah, Clayton Jane, so thank you for echoing that point. Could you get that price if you had to sell it within six months for whatever reason? That That's a very, very good uh, question, which I have covered. Um, a couple of other questions. So uh, Mudit Agarwal, uh, sorry if I got the pronunciation wrong, says, despite hype of bad market, don't see any reduction in house prices. Is that everything superficial bubble? So I don't know what part of the country you are. And guys, if you're watching this, always please let me know where you're not seeing a bad market. Um, uh, prices not coming down on properties that aren't selling masks a bad market, okay? You have to look at the prices of the stuff that's selling. Looking at the prices of what's not selling doesn't tell you anything. Um, <laughs> Jay Tor says, join the railway guys, bulletproof if you just do your job and good terms, conditions and pay. I actually know someone who did exactly that uh, just for that reason to pay for another another qualification you wanted to get. Um, ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, Jack Rushy says, hi, Charlie, I'm a first time buyer and I have viewed a property for sale and I'm considering offering. The estate agent being used is asking a reservation fee of two and a half thousand plus administration fee of 500. Is this normal? It's not normal, but it does happen. Um, and sometimes the seller and or the agent will come to the decision where they will only accept offers from people who are prepared to make that level of commitment. Um, you've got to look very carefully at the small print. Uh, there are reservation agreements. They sometimes do work because they give both sides certainty. Um, the administration fee uh, is a separate thing. I don't know about that. 
the, re the reservation fee, I assume, goes towards the actual exchange and purchase of the property. The administration fee is 500 quid. I, I would be pushing back against that, going, no, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not paying anyone's reservation fee. But you might consider putting down the £2,500 uh, reservation fee, which is something that you would lose if you backed out. Um, I hope that answers that question for you, Jack. Um, a, B, C, D, E on YouTube asks, and this is relevant to this, Charlie, what do you expect to happen to house prices when a, an estimated 40% of jobs will be lost should this generation just rent? So this is why I'm really making sure I get it out there that I, I that don't, do not overpay because I do think there are a lot of people who are going to, 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 to have to be facing unexpected job losses and may or may not be in a position to keep on paying their mortgage. Um, and I do think if job losses get as bad as myself and Alex fear that they will, uh, then that's going to put much sharper downward pressure on house prices. Okay. Um, uh, Tina Fey says, after Stig's prediction on when my industry will be obsolete, uh, and that was, I think, from memory, he said three years, didn't he, Tina? Um, is it a good idea to take out a mortgage while I still have a job and try to make it work? Well, you, you've, you're asking exactly the questions, one of the questions I, 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 I've just talked about. Um, that is a personal choice, okay? So if you are in an industry where you're worried, that, worried about whether or not you're still going to have a job a few years from now, well, one way or another, if that for, for anyone who that happens to, it would be awful, but if it happens... Um, Everyone's going to have to figure out another way to make a living. And so the question is, you've got to ask yourself, you know, what is your financial fallback position? How long could you pay your mortgage for uh, if you did lose your job? Um, do you think you'd be able to get another job? Um, do you think you'd be able to replace that that income? I mean, I, I, it must be incredibly worrying, and I, and I feel for anyone who's in that situation. Um, but, you know, I, I suppose the question you're asking is, what's worse, renting in three years' time and, not, and losing my job or owning? I mean, in, in the worst of worst case scenarios where you're facing the loss of your home in either scenario, either because you can't pay your rent or because you can't pay your mortgage, with the mortgage you do at least get at the moment that 12 months extra forbearance from the government. Um, so in that worst of worst case scenario, scenarios, you might be better in an owned home. Um, uh, if you have a home with a spare room, uh, you might be able to sublet that to a lodger, which might be able to help you pay your mortgage. I mean, it depends whether you feel like you're the kind of resourceful person that somehow or other will make, will, will hustle and find the money to, to keep those mortgage payments up one way or another, even if it means having to live a lifestyle that you didn't imagine for a long time, but you do manage to hold on. And in that scenario, you're better off owning than renting, I think, because you have a, a little bit more flexibility of what you can do. Whereas, you know, you, otherwise you've got to have a landlord's permission. The landlord might throw you out anyway if they put the rent up and you can't afford it. So, Personally, my personal choice, Tina, in that situation would be to buy while I had the ability to buy. Um, but it comes down to personal choice. I hope that's a helpful answer. Um, ba -ba -ba uh, Ethan Katzenberg says, not strictly related to what you're talking about here, but it kind of is. It is because it's, it's this worst-case scenario expectation. 
But do you feel like the UK can escape what feels like a death spiral? I share your view. I, I reluctantly and sadly share your view that that is what that is what it feels like. Um, can it escape it? Um, with some very bold moves by a new government to create employment to stimulate the economy, I still think a massive house building uh, um, program creating employment to do that uh, is how is one of the ways of turning it around. Um, but otherwise, with some very entrepreneurially minded ministers helping boost the industry sectors where we do have an advantage, which they're not doing at the moment, they're dithering. Um, I think the chances of escaping the death spiral are, are less than 50% at the moment. At the moment, I hope and pray that that changes. Um, but this is exactly why I'm urging caution if we want to buy. But actually, if you listen to what I'm saying, I'm saying that depending on your personal risk profile, even if we're looking at a death spiral, even if we're looking at evisceration of jobs three or four years from now, if you can buy now, I still would. I still would. And I'd figure out a way, you know, I'd just be resourceful and work out how to hold on to it. Um, Amir says, question, in your personal opinion, is a 10% loan to value for a first-time buyer in the Northeast okay? Is there still a risk of negative equity? Amir, that's a great question. And the answer, this is the whole point of this video. It depends whether or not you overpaid for the property. Okay? So if you manage to negotiate a purchase price that, that factors in what you think is going to happen to the prices of those properties in that market in the Northeast, um, then you might insulate yourself from the worst of house price falls, and therefore you might escape negative equity. But if you end up being tricked into overpaying for a property, which is what many estate agents will try and make you do, um, then the, the risk of negative equity is much, much higher. Um, wow. Payment Satar, that's a new name. I hope I've, Payment Satar, I hope I've pronounced that right. Thanks for your advice, Charlie. I followed your offer template and made an offer 75K below asking and got accepted after some negotiation. Mortgage just got approved and now just waiting for searches. Fantastic payment. That's amazing. Can, can I ask what was the rough uh, price that you got agreed so we get, we get a feel for how much below asking price your offer was accepted? Um, Jack Rushy says, um, that's very helpful, Charlie. Thank you. My only concern is that they are using this reservation fee, two and a half thousand reservation fee, to prevent renegotiating the price if a survey comes back with problems. Do not want to overpay or be forced to lose 3,000 pounds. You're quite right. But I think you'll find in the terms and conditions that that reservation agreement will include the fact that it's subject to a survey and that if a survey did throw up problems that you would be allowed to back out as a result of any problems from a survey. So have a look at that, um, make sure. But otherwise I would just, you know, you, you are, if there are other people offering, you are in control of saying to the agent, I'm sorry, I'm not comfortable doing that. Um, but here's my offer. It's a solid offer. I'll purchase my search pack straight away. I'll, I'll get the, the, the mortgage lender's survey done straight away. I want to go ahead with this, but I'm not comfortable with that. It just doesn't feel comfortable. Sorry. So my offer stands, but without that reservation fee. Uh, do, 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 do. Just looking for any other questions. I think we're there. Um,
Yeah, okay. Guys, I'm going to call it. Um, thank you very much for watching. Um, and if you want to talk to me personally about your move situation, um, you can either... So, so this is the right link for any of the following options. So buymeacoffee.com forward slash MHWC, where you can join my private movers Q&A club, where I guarantee to answer all questions. That's £15 a month and you can stop at any time. Current prices. I don't know how long this video is going to be watched in the future. Um, or you can book a 30-minute live one-to-one -one call with me or a uh, one hour one the prices are there as well if you remember it gets you a discount off those prices um and i'm going to help otherwise um if you want to talk to my mortgage brokers please go to that url mhwc.co.uk slash mortgage and my conveyances that url mhwc.co.uk slash conveyancing and to get your property search pack on the day your offer is accepted that url mhwc.co.uk slash property hyphen pack or all three of them on that url all my ducks all right guys hope that helps have a great one see you on the next one see you soon bye bye